Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. This week I've been challenged. I've been in Joshua uh, for most of the week and uh, studying the book of Joshua. And I was challenged by something that I thought was incredibly interesting, and, and I'm going to try to kind of marry two concepts today, two, two things in Scripture. And I want you to know that what my motivation is to start with is that I think most people really, from the bottom of the heart, the reason they come to church is hopefully is to, to, to get more understanding on how to be a Christ follower. Would you say that that's a good description? I mean, that's why we come is to get a better understanding of how to be a Christ follower. And there are lots and lots of opinions out there. And, uh, and, and what I came to a place of as a young man, 20, 28 years old, is that I wanted to find out what Scripture said and not what man said. In other words, if you hear preachers preaching uh, things that don't have the attitude of Scripture, you, you need to beware. You, you need to take my, and there's, and there's just tons of it out there. I heard something this week on a church leaders podcast that, that has me praying and grieving. And from that position, I want to kind of move forward, not in a negative way, but, but in a very, a very positive, edifying, exhorting way. Large church. People are probably trying to duplicate this guy's philosophy of ministry. But there were three things that he said. First thing he said was that he was addicted to pornography for nine years. And, and it's good that he got free. Um, he, he, said, he said that it, with politics, he doesn't talk about politics because it doesn't matter if we get a bad president, God's big enough to handle the situation. I totally agree with that. But then he went on to say that when he preaches, when he preached the message on pornography and he's preaching the, a message on how he's battling suicidal thoughts and anxiety, and that drew the biggest crowds, which can be up to 35,000, it drew those crowds because they identified with his issue, and his issue isn't deliverance. The point I'm trying to make here is God didn't come so that you could feel good in your dysfunction. That's not why he came. And if it draws big crowds for preachers to preach a message that makes you feel okay in your dysfunction, I'm concerned with the church. And my heart is heavy for the church. This same preacher said this. He said, how do you spend time with God? He said, well, I, I really am a word guy. You know, I've, I, I just don't pray much. I, I've never prayed for an hour, and I can never see myself ever praying for a solid hour. And he's leading Tons and tons of people and tons and tons of pastors are trying to do church like he does church. I'm saying all that to say this. 
I'm not being critical of a man. That's why I'm not mentioning his name. I'm being critical of a spirit that's in the church, that's in the world, that is do, trying to accomplish something that I don't believe Jesus came to try to accomplish. Listen, you hear more and more oftentimes big church pastors are dealing heavily with depression and anxiety. These mega church pastors, you see it coming out all over the place. They're all on meds. They're, you know, not all, you know, there's a lot of them that are doing all kind of stuff. And I'm saying all this for a reason, okay? When I see that and I see why they are on that anxiety cliff, if I had to perform at a level that drew 35,000 people week in and week out, I don't know if I could take it either. When you start thinking about having to keep this machine going to pay the bills, and the way this machine keeps going is people have to like me. That's a lot of pressure that you're putting on yourself to perform at an incredibly high level. Weak after week after week, and the demand on your life has to be large where you don't get to live a normal life. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Lord, if you, if you were on the cross and you were rose from the dead and, and, you, and you poured out your spirit on the church, is this what you talked about you wanted to produce? Is, is this what you want to produce? Is this the church? It's not. Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Look at what Isaiah said. Why? So that we could be planted in the world to, to bring him Glory. How do you bring the Lord glory? You get set free. You get healed. You move from what you used to be to something that he brings you to. Now, we've got a world that wants to just be identified with and feel good about their relationship with God. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to me. Let me read this one more time. Jesus read this when he was called into the ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what Liz read. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and the opening of prison doors to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. To the oil of joy for mourning. He wants to make a trade with you. The garment of praise for the spirit of depression. That they may be called trees of righteousness. And that they may glorify God. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing today 
is this. Is that I've watched in my lifetime the church try to take the supernatural out of the church. The, the ability for God to do things that are outside of man's ability to remove them from the church. And as prophesied in Timothy, he says, they're going to have a form of godliness, but they're going to deny the power. I can remember a seminary class that I went to, and I ended up getting my money back. But they were teaching me that, that God's spiritual gifts weren't for the day. Any of the miraculous gifts, they, they, they died with the apostolic age, which we know in church history is not true. We know that it's not true, but, but there's this doctrine of demons that says that God doesn't work that way anymore, that, he, that he's limited, that he's cut off. And so all we have to look forward to is that if we die, we're not going to hell. And that's the power of God. That's what it means by that we're made righteous is that we're not going to hell. And all that's good. Aren't you glad you're not going to hell? But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to heal you. Jesus came so that you could be his instrument to show the world the goodness and the glory of God. The glory of God is the nature of God. That you on this earth could show the world the nature of God. The attributes of God. How's that going to happen? Well, it's not going to happen by self-discipline. You're not going to get the attributes of God by somehow conforming to some type of pattern. You're going to have to have a supernatural encounter with God. So think about that for a moment. You got that part? The church is trying to convince the world. There's lots of people, not all the church, but so many that, that the power of God isn't necessary, that you're okay as you are. He loves you as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. And I want to point out today in this message that, that God, the title is that, that we are to be the, we are to show the world and the spiritual world the manifest wisdom of our God. So the church is not just a group of people who aren't going to bust hell wide open. That is not the definition of the church. The church is a family. It's a team. It's an army of God that is, has a mission from God. And that mission is to proclaim the glory of the Lord. To be planted in a place where we are healed while salvation comes. Everything that comes with that word which is healing and restoration and rescue, that we've been rescued from our old self and we no longer have to worry about that. You know, if you are in a place where you're so busy that you cannot handle your anxious thoughts, 
you might want to get unbusy. You might want to change some things you're doing. You can't keep doing the same thing at the same level and expect not to be anxious for some reason. You better examine what you're doing and get on God's plan. I don't believe for a second that these folks are carrying out their mission full of the power of the Holy Spirit, minimizing their workload, spreading it out to other people, helping other people become ministers of the gospel. They're carrying the burden on their own shoulders. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, turn with me there, Ephesians chapter 3, now I'm getting into the message. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. I just think it's so important to understand as believers that you better get what God intended the church to be. You better be about becoming what God intended the church to be or we're wasting our time. Would you agree with me? We better have the attitude that God had. And look at what Paul writes. I'm going to start in verse 9, and then I'm going to go to 10. I'll start in 8. How about that? To me, I'm the least. I'm the lesser of anybody, of all the saints, Paul says about himself. But there was a power at work in me and through me that was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of that mystery. Now the mystery is that Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. He came to bring you freedom. He came to liberate you from the power of sin. Sin has no more power over you lest you give it. Because you can, you can overcome it, even if it is given to you by somebody else. Even if somebody else sins against you, you can overcome that sin by responding in the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? You have overcome sin. He will never leave you or forsake you, and he won't let you down in that regard. Sin can still come at you. Just because you're having tough circumstances doesn't mean God isn't good. You're going to see that in just a minute. Tough circumstances oftentimes help you become what God wants to make you. But Paul says, you know, here I am, the least of all the saints, and God empowered me to, to teach you the unsearchable riches of Christ, to, to make you see the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. How did God create all things? Through Jesus. I want you to, if you've got your Bible, circle all things. God created all things. It's imperative that we understand that. He created all things, and he did it through Jesus to the intent that now, the manifold wisdom of God, the multifaceted ways that God is wise. The manifold means multi-shapes, uh, multi-angles. That There are so many angles of the wisdom of God. And, 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 and Paul preached that mystery of who Jesus was so that the many angles of the wisdom of God might be made known 
By who? By the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That's kind of interesting to me. that, That all creation was created by Jesus and we the church are supposed to educate them about the wisdom of God. How do you educate them? You don't preach at them. You preach at them with your life, not with your words. You you become what God intended you to become. You're a, a walking miracle. You used to be addicted, but you're no longer addicted. You you used to have faulty thinking about finances, but you no longer have faulty thinking about finances. You have brought your financial life underneath the godly counsel of a wise God. And because of that way of doing things, because you've bought into the ways of God, then you're showing the world the wisdom of how to handle your money. And when you don't, Al's a good word. But Paul is saying right here, hear the gospel, that the church's position is to show the manifold wisdom of God. The church is not just supposed to bow down to its dysfunction Call it normal and be okay with God. The church is supposed to be transformed. Now, when I was reading Joshua this week, back to the beginning of the sermon, I know I'm chasing a lot of rabbits, but I'm going back to Joshua, okay? So what we've understanding so far is that the mission of the church is to show the world that we see and the invisible world, the character, the nature, the glory, and the wisdom of God. That's our mission. Our mission is to line up with God in such a degree that people know that we've been with Jesus. Because you couldn't be like you are unless you'd been with Jesus. Now let me tell you, if you can't pray for an hour, you probably ain't going to be much like Jesus. I'm just saying. Praying is conversation with God. If you can't have an hour-long conversation with God, I mean, I wonder what the Lord does when he looks down at the church and he knows what the mission of the church is, yet we don't get it. So back to Joshua. Joshua goes into the promised land, the land of promise, to receive what God has promised. You know, he's promised you every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He's promised you that you no longer be slave to sin. He's promised you that you'd be delivered. He's promised you that you'd be rescued. He's promised you his presence would go with you. There's a lot of promises of God that are available to you, and that was the same for Joshua. Now, Joshua goes into the promised land, and as he goes in, he has enemies, and he has to fight several of these enemies. And then at the end of Joshua, 
it, the whole chapter, if you'll read it, it's like, it's like ten, 10 chapters are talking about the boundaries God sets on his people. And he just, I just, it wore me out. He says, all right, you, you've got this particular aspect and, and you've got this particular aspect and you've got this particular aspect of the land and here are your boundaries. Your boundaries are here and here and here and here. I thought, wow, God, they're entering into the promises of God, but he's setting boundaries for them. <clears throat> so I started praying about what that meant for you and me. And he says about the land that he gives them, you haven't taken some of that land yet. Here are your boundaries, but some of that land, some of those things that I've promised you haven't gone into yet. You're going to go into them. And what I want you to do is I want you to begin to help one another. If each of you begins to run into trouble in the areas that I've given you, y'all begin to help each other get victory in those areas. <laughs> Are y'all tracking with me yet? Does that sound like the church? Does that sound like spiritual gifts? Does that sound like faith? He's giving you a measure of faith. You haven't gone into all the faith that God wants you to go into yet. You're not operating in all the spiritual gifts. You've got some of the spiritual gifts that you can see evident in your life. You haven't begun to walk in all of them yet. And, and some of you are having trouble walking in the ones you've got. And so we're to come alongside each other and help each other into those places, right? It's the church. And remember when Joshua first saw the promised land? We think, we have this misconception that when we um, move into the things of God, that somehow it's going to be easy because God is good. Yes, he is good. God is great. But we haven't moved into everything yet, and, and there's this process of moving in. And there are enemies, and those enemies against you becoming who God wants you to become they're, they're, they're big. They're attacking you. Remember when they started to go into the promised land the first time? They came back and only just a couple of guys came back and said, yeah, we can do this. With God's help, we can take these people. The rest of them said, no, man, that's big problems in there. Those are some big problems. I don't want to have to deal with any of those big problems. When they came back with Joshua, they still had to deal with the big problems and all the big problems didn't leave immediately and God's still good but what he do he left Israel intact to begin to take care of the big problems to begin to de defeat each area that they had been assigned one by one. Right? They began to, they were assigned an area and they, they were to take and rule and, and have um, dominion over that area. But they had to do it one at a time. It's a beautiful picture 
of how a believer is supposed to walk with God. If you want to know the will of God, if you want to know what God's got for you, I'm, I'm explaining it to you right now. It's not $100,000 a year. It's not even $200,000 a year. They may come as you begin to take the ground for the kingdom. He may allow you to keep the spoils if he can trust you with it. But his goal and his desire and his will for you isn't to make you rich in that regard necessarily. He wants you to prosper and have victory in every way, including finances. But you've got to, some of you need to take that ground because there's an enemy in the camp. And you haven't taken that ground yet, but there's some important things that you need to know. And we've already read it once, but I'm going to read a bunch of other stuff that's just going to support this idea is that God created all those things that you're coming up against. It's not like he expects you to lose. He doesn't expect us as believers to lose. Why? Because he created everything you're going to come up against. It's been perverted. But he owns it. He's the authority. He holds the keys. He can cast it into the pit. He created and has authority over all things. John chapter 1 verse 3 says this, All things were made through him. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Nothing was made. Nothing you're going to face was made without Jesus. He made the thing. It was perverted by what he made, and it wants to get you off track, but he has authority over it. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created, all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth. <laughs> Visible and Invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, those are invisible, uh, we think, invisible uh, uh, rankings of angelic beings. Oftentimes referred to the demonic angelic rankings as well. But God made the visible and the invisible. All things were created through him and for him. Hebrews 1, 2. As in the last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Plural. Far above all principality and power and dominion and every name that is named, who, Jesus is far above every power and every principality and might and dominion that is named not only in this age, but also in the age to come, says in Ephesians 121. 
All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In that sentence, that, that verse in Ephesians 6, 12, starts with this. All things were made through him. So what do I have to fear? I'm his. And he is mine. Joshua was given those boundaries. You were given a measure of faith. You were given the spiritual gifts. I'm going to tell you how important it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, I heard a preacher on the radio one time tell, say out loud, I've been saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit for two weeks, and he said out loud that speaking in tongues was from the devil, and he said that on the radio. He said that on the radio as one of the miraculous gifts that, that died in the, so, so God baptized, God baptized the original church in the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues, and this preacher in this decade said that those folks receive something from the devil, or if we receive it now, it's from the devil. You might not understand it. But you better be careful of how you think about what God created. But that teaching was on the radio. So what's your boundaries? What's your boundaries? Where's God got you? Where are you at right now? You see, I think you have, you have this boundary that was created before time began. I really believe this with all my heart. I want you to check this out. Just a minute. I'm putting all this together right now. It's coming together right here. There goes our children's prayer. We heard this big thump. <laughs> Before the foundation of the earth began, God established you a territory. He gave you an assignment that he wants you to take. There's a lot of things in your personal lives that you need to take back because you've been robbed or misled, but you need to take that ground back. But there is territory that you hadn't been, promises that you hadn't received, things that he's got for you, people in your life, relationships in your life. 
that he's expecting you to have an influence over, a boundary. I really want you to get this. Buy into it. Think about it for just one moment. You were put here to seize anything that fights against the kingdom. This in your boundaries. That you're responsible to God for. What is it that you were placed here for? How can you be effective? You see, God is not an unorganized, weak-minded, powerless God. He's not a God who fears evil. Do you know the Lord doesn't fear evil? He's not scared. He's not scared of what you're going to face. What he's saying to you is walk with me and let's take this ground. Let's take this boundary back. Let's, let's go get this thing. You had not received all of it yet. Let's go get it. And when you see your brother stumble, go help him. Pick him up, walk with him, make sure that he can take what God's assigned him to do as well. That's what the nature of the church is supposed to be. We are given assignments and we're expected to carry them out to completion as we work with him. One of the passages of scripture that just wears me out so oftentimes when I, when I read about this is the scripture in Daniel chapter 10 verse 10. Daniel is in a place of captivity. Daniel is in prison, y'all. Captured, he's a prisoner of war. And he's serving that government in an administrative capacity. But what you find about Daniel is he does pray for an hour. Matter of fact, as was his custom, he prayed three times a day at least for an hour. And he sought the Lord, and he cried out to God. And on this particular occasion, if you want to read it, in, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 10, let me just read it uh, quickly. Suddenly a hand touched him when he was in prayer, and it made him tremble on his knees and uh, as he was on the palm of his hands, crying out to God to, to begin to move in the boundary that was assigned to him. He was uh, given this allotment, this boundary that God wanted him to impact for the kingdom of heaven. And he's on his knees and he's praying and a hand touched him and he trembled and it scared him to death. <laughs> and he said, and he said to me, the angel said, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. Get up. For I have now been sent to you. While, while the angel was speaking this word to me, I just stood there trembling. And then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. From the first day that you set yourself to understand and when you humbled yourself before God, you were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. 
And behold, Michael, one of the other chief princes on our side, he came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the king of Persia, kings of Persia, kings of Persia. But now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. I believe I would too. But here's the reality to me, and you can call me crazy if you want to. Daniel was a man. He was a man. He was a man. And an angel of the Lord was sent to him. And that angel of the Lord in the invisible realm which Jesus made was fighting in that invisible realm to get to Daniel so that he could give him information, a message from God to begin to handle his future. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Have I had that happen to me? I have not. Do I believe it? I do. Do I believe God can do it? I do. Do I hope he does? Sort of. <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of cool. Obviously scared Daniel to death, right? There is an invisible realm. There is a fight. But Jesus created it all. He has authority over it all. He's not scared of any of it. He, he was victorious to bring Daniel the word so that he could take the boundary that had been given him. I think the Lord wants to do the same with you. I think that's what God decided to do with the church. See, the difference in what happened with Daniel and what happens with the church is that the Spirit of God came upon Daniel or an angelic being was sent to Daniel. But when Jesus died on the cross and was raised again, the Spirit of God poured out on all flesh. And we have now the ability, if we obey him, to walk with him and him make our, his home with us. And we have a, a, an incredible advantage. It might be why Jesus said, one of the reasons Jesus said, not the only reasons, but one of the reasons said we do more than him is because we're, there's going to be an army that is available to take back stuff that Satan has taken, that he has perverted. And there's boundaries that he's assigned you that he wants you to take back. And that might include anxiety. That might include your health to your body. That might include a lot of different things that we have to consider and really ask God about, Lord, what do you want me to be and do? How do you, what do you want me to accomplish? What boundaries do you want me to Move to and move in. And I don't believe for one second that you're going to get mission number two from the most prolific warrior ever, ever, ever. Jesus came as a lion, but he's coming back as a warrior. And he's going to slay hell for good. Right? 
He's got a strategy, a strategic, yeah, that word. Say it for me. Strategic strategy for you to get victory. But let me just say this. Jesus never gives you strategic strategy number two until you do strategic strategy number one. And when you do number one, he'll give you number two. And number two, it won't look like number one. You see that in the book of Joshua. They took Ai, and then they tried to take, uh, they took Jericho, and then they tried to take Ai the same way just because God told them to take Jericho one way. And it didn't work. They failed miserably. Why? Because God gave them totally different instruction on how to take Ai than they did Jericho. And God's going to do the same thing in your life because he wants a relationship with you. But there's boundaries that you've been given. And we weren't, we weren't born, and we're not children of God, and we're not part of the church, so you won't go to hell. We're part of the church so that we can take ground for the kingdom of God. We are the army of Christ. We are to kick the hell out of the devil. We're to take him captive. Insert stomp. Amen? And you're not going to get victory in place number two until you do what he told you to do in place number one. So what's he telling you? What are your boundaries? And what's your, what's, your, what's your enemy look like that's right in front of you? And what's God saying about kicking its butt, taking it down? What about people around you that he wants to rescue like Rahab the harlot? In the midst of Jericho, the first place that he goes, he brings the lineage of Christ through Rahab who was in the city that he destroyed in Jericho. Who does God want you to bring with you? Listen, don't go to heaven and God say, did you accept my son? Yes. Who'd you bring with you? Huh? Nobody. You didn't bring nobody with you? What were you doing? Well, I was busy building my kingdom. Well, what about my kingdom? Jesus said, nah, I was too busy. I was too bound. I was in captivity. I was in bondage, and I was waiting to come home so I could get free. That don't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense at all, does it? It's not the truth. The truth is, it is finished. So, Father, help us today see the territory that you've given us help us to know God that a believer to be part of the church is to to show the world and the invisible realm the glory and the manifold wisdom of God 
that you know what you're doing and that you have a strategy to defeat hell. We don't have to fear hell. It's not winning. We're part of the army of God who takes ground. Help us do that, God. It's not a game. It's not a game to see how much stuff I can gather before I die. It's life and death. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and give it to the full. We've got to close because we've got to do another service. And, but I, I don't want to hurry right here because I want to just ask you something really serious. What is it that you really need? to defeat I mean what is it that stands in your mind's eye of I really need to get over this thing we all got something what is it that you know you know in your heart if I don't get over this I'm not I'm not going anywhere I mean I think there are people in here that are bound so badly they even know they're bound but they refuse to do anything about it because it's hard. I mean we've got that. We've got that with children where our kids are in a place that we need to do something but because it's hard we don't want to do it or because you've adopted some other philosophy for so long you don't know how to reverse it. Or maybe it's with a marriage. Or maybe it's with your money. You feel like you're going to drown. And you know you got that way because you did things outside of God's way. Or maybe maybe it's even something that's got your attention to such a degree. It's, it's off of God. Or maybe it's just the fact that God just wants you to pray for an hour. And communicate with Him and get His instruction. But I really believe that the Lord would have us know. <laughs> Let me see if I can present it this way. Everybody look at me real quickly. Man, I've got son, I've got a I've got an incredible place for you. You, you wouldn't believe this homestead, this, this boundary I've set for you. You know, before, while you were in your mother's womb, before the foundation of the world was, I had this incredible dream of what you could become. And I set that in place. And I've got all these promises. And the biggest one is I'll never leave you or I'll forsake you. I will go before you and help you be with you as we take back those things that were stolen from you. And those that you love, I'm going to go get that too. 
We're going to bring them back to a place where they're, they're, in, they're in victory. I've got this for you. I've established it. And it's awesome. Come go with me. That's what it, that's what it's, it's not condemning. It's loving. There's a major difference. Is you ain't worth a hoot. That was better than what I was thinking. You're, you're not worth a hoot. Get off your lazy butt and get do something. That's not what the Lord says. The Lord says, man, look at the vast goodness that's before you. It's all yours. If you'll just, if you'll just do it, if you'll follow me, if you'll go with me, man, the potential and the possibilities, man, I'm going to rock your world. I'm going to show you so much. And, you, and you're not going to believe what I've got in store for you when you see the end product. And what we've got to do is we've got to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to go. I'm going to do and take care of that first thing that you're telling me to take care of. That first enemy, that first thing that, that I've got out of whack, I'm going to take care of that. marriages I just feel like the Lord's saying a marriage you know it's it's alright it's, it's okay I mean I gotten used to it no the Lord says I got this boundary set up for you in this marriage whew, you won't believe it you won't believe it. I got plans for you to prosper in that marriage. I, I got plans for you to do something great in that marriage. It's not dead. I came to resurrect. I'm the resurrection and the life. If you come to me, I'll give you life in that marriage. If you're single... How many singles do we have in the room? Would you raise your hand? There's lots of them. Oh, they're everywhere. If you're single and you don't do it God's way, you're asking for misery. You will be absolutely miserable. You're going to fill a gap with something that God didn't intend the gap to be filled like that. And you're going to find yourself way down a path that you don't want to go down. So, Father, I just pray that whatever that boundary is that we'd see it, that whatever you're commanding us, that we would begin to move forward in it so that we can achieve all your promises. And, Father, may we not be limited by what the church or what man says about what it means to be a believer, God, but may we have this great expectation that you really did mean that I've come to bring life and bring it to the full, that I've come to, to show you how I want to use you for my kingdom so that you can impact earth for heaven's sakes. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.